0: Pfizer, the number is 510-854-9663. That's 510-854-9663 with your name, address, and phone number. Some WBAI members are missing emails. Please help us make this election green by visiting elections.pacifica.org and fill out a ballot request form, including the email you would like us to use to send you a ballot. Ballots go out August fifteenth, 2019. Thank you so much. You're listening to
1: WBAI in New York at 99.5 FM and WBAI.org
0: on the web. Coming up next, Waking Up This Morning with Celeste Katz. Thanks for starting your day with us here at WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, and this is a special Memorial Day edition of Waking Up. I'm here in studio with Alana and Michael until 8 o'clock today. Juliana Forlano is back on Tuesday. So it's going to be a warm one if you're heading out for the holiday. The National Weather Service says it's going to be mostly sunny today, high near 77 and north winds of six to nine miles per hour, about 65 degrees right now in New York. So if you're looking to uh, observe Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day today, you have a lot of options. I'll run down a few of them for you. Uh, Brooklyn's 152nd annual Memorial Day parade steps off at 11 a.m. from 3rd Avenue and 78th Street. It concludes with a ceremony in Cannonball Park featuring a laying of wreaths by veteran service organizations and a 21-gun salute by the Veteran Corps of Artillery. If you're in Queens or Long Island, the 92nd annual Little Neck Douglaston Memorial Day Parade steps off at 2 p.m. It runs along Northern Boulevard from Jason Avenue to 245th Street. You can also check out Fleet Week ship tours at Pier 88 in Manhattan, the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal, and the Staten Island Homeport Pier. The ships are open to the public from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And later this afternoon, there's the annual free Memorial Day concert by the New York Philharmonic. That's at the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine, 1047 uh, Amsterdam Avenue in Manhattan. The distribution of tickets starts at 5 p.m. Seating is first come, first served. So the ways that New Yorkers observe Memorial Day is really as diverse as the city itself. And here to talk about this year's commemoration is Jeremy Butler. He's the CEO of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, He's a graduate of Knox College and the U.S. Naval War College and a commander in the Navy Reserves with nearly 20 years of uniformed service. He joined IAVA with more than 15 years of experience in offering counsel to leaders in the private sector, as well as government agencies, including the Department of Defense and Homeland Security. Jeremy, welcome to WBAI.
2: Thank you, Celeste. I appreciate you having us on the show.
0: It's great to have you here. So uh, maybe we can start off just uh, having you tell our listeners a little bit about IAVA and why it was founded and what you do.
2: Yeah, so the goal of Iraq and Afghanistan and Veterans of America is to connect, unite, and empower uh, post-9-11 veterans. Uh, despite the name, which sometimes can uh, mislead people a little bit, we really represent all veterans, uh, but with a, a particular focus on the post nine eleven generation of veterans. Uh we were founded uh by a gentleman named Paul Rykoff who returned from a tour of duty in Iraq uh and just found that um the conversation and the support uh, for the particular needs of uh, those returning uh, from the post nine eleven conflicts just wasn't really there, and so we began advocating uh, on the halls of Congress and around the country to ensure that legislation that was being enacted was in the best uh, interest of veterans, uh, and that also that we were connecting uh, individual veterans uh, because we found that when they were returning home they just weren't Finding that sense of camaraderie that they had when they were uh, on active duty uh, and they were they were missing that sense of mission and purpose that they had when they were in the military. So we help connect them, uh, finding jobs, uh, finding the employment and the care that they need to make sure that they uh, continue to ensure uh, or that they continue to live uh, successful and meaningful lives. And we do that with uh, direct um support uh, to them uh, and their family members. So we really work tirelessly on behalf of of all veterans and their family members to to ensure that they have uh, a lasting uh, and meaningful uh, career sort of after they return from active duty
1: service.
0: And uh, how is IAVA marking Memorial Day this year? I see, for example, you have uh, some requests out for people to help you uh, by participating in a program called Go Silent.
2: Exactly. Go Silent uh, is building on the National Moment of Remembrance, uh, which was a uh, presidential decree passed in 2000 to take a moment or a minute of silence at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day today. Uh, And so we have uh, tried to spread awareness of that campaign uh, through a program we call uh, go silent. Uh, and it really is just emphasizing uh, that everybody take a minute out of their day to day, regardless of where they are, what they're doing, uh, if they themselves served, or if they have family members that they served, or if they have no connection to the military. Take a minute at 3 p.m. local time. Go silent. Uh, remember. Uh, the lives and the sacrifice of those who made the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of their country. Uh, We ask that people help us raise awareness about this true meaning of Memorial Day uh, by uh, you posting it on social media. You can use the hashtag, GoSilent. You can go to IAVA.org. Uh, and sign up and register, and you can uh, state who you're going silent for. If there's a specific specific service member that you want to remember, or if it's service members in general uh, that you want to commemorate, you can register there. Uh, we can help you spread the awareness of it. But we really ask that everyone take uh, at least one minute today uh, to remember the true meaning of Memorial Day and help us spread the word by using the hashtag GoSilent uh, on social media.
0: And when you talk about the meaning of Memorial Day, I think most Americans probably understand that Memorial Day is really a time to specifically honor men and women who gave their lives uh, while serving in the military, as opposed to Veterans Day, when we show respect to everyone who has served. Um, And I was looking, though, at some... uh, rather worrisome uh, stories, some news reports that you have uh, pointed out on your site about the growing number of cancer-related deaths we're now seeing, even among young veterans who are coming back from service and then getting sick. Um, what what can you tell us about, about that uh, on the holiday today?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So I appreciate you bringing this up. We, we are, one of the primary things that we do is advocate uh, in Washington, D.C., and in of uh, local congressional uh, areas around the country uh, to raise awareness and to pass legislation that's going to support our veterans and our service members. And one of our, uh, what we call our big six priorities, our number one uh, priority is combating the scourge of veteran and military suicide. Uh, But additional one of our big six priorities is um, uh, initiating support for injuries from burn pits and other toxic exposures. And what this is, is burn pits are... Similar to what the name sounds like, they were large open-air pits uh, that the military used uh, overseas uh, to burn basically everything uh, that uh, we were throwing out. So we would basically take all of our trash, uh, and this is, you know, organic and inorganic uh, trash, douse it with jet fuel and light it on fire. And At some of these larger bases, these fires would burn uh, 24-7. And if you happen to be downwind of these uh, in your barracks, where you stood guard posts, uh, simply where you lived and ate, uh, you would be breathing in these fumes uh, constantly. And what we have found is there has been a definite rise in service members coming back uh, with uh, airborne uh, contaminant-related uh, diseases and cancers uh, that are most likely connected directly to their exposure to these bone pit, burn pits and other toxic exposures. So what we're trying to find fight for is legislation that will uh, make sure that the Department of Defense and the VA are... Um, tracking everyone that was exposed to these uh, burn pits, uh, that we know what was in those burn pits, and that the VA can then begin the process of identifying where there are uh, connections and make sure that our service members that do become sick from these are getting the medical treatment uh, provided to them by the government that they deserve.
0: And then, sort of relatedly, I had also uh, been reading some stories about uh, the so-called blue water Vietnam veterans who mm-hmm. uh, were similarly uh, affected by uh, not having been uh, physically on land, but still being exposed to contaminants and, and experiencing the, the effects of that much later in their in their lives.
2: Exactly. Yep. And so uh, what you're referring to is the Agent Agent Orange exposure, uh, Mm -hmm. which so many Vietnam uh, service members uh, were exposed to, and which uh, they frankly continue to have to fight uh, for the government to recognize that their illnesses were caused by that Agent Orange exposure. So we call the burn pits the Agent Orange of our generation. Uh, We're fighting uh, to make sure that the government will recognize the harmful effects that uh, uh, resulted from uh, our service members' exposure to these burn pits, because we don't want them to have a similar thing where the Vietnam veterans continue to fight 40 years later uh, for recognition and coverage uh, of those exposures. So we're hoping to be able to um, fix this now, get some legislation passed, and have the VA and the government uh, make sure that they are uh, taking care of our veterans when they come back, because it, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's shameful. Um, they were, uh, it was, Fortunate that the Blue Water Navy Act passed, and so what that does is it uh, gives a presumpture to exposure uh, to those uh, personnel that served on ships offshore where they still uh, might not have been in the direct drop zone of where Agent Orange was, but they were affected by it by the winds that then blew it out to sea and onto the ships they where they were serving. So uh, this is small steps in the right direction, and we want to make sure that it doesn't uh, take another 40 years uh, for all of our service members who are exposed to toxic exposures uh, to get the coverage that they need.
0: You're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Waking Up, and I'm Celeste Katz. We're speaking with Jeremy Butler. He's the CEO of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. And, uh, Jeremy, uh, it seems like politics uh, always manages to make its way into everything. looks like uh, this Memorial Day weekend, uh, probably no different. I wanted to ask you about uh, a lot of stories that have been coming out. Out about IAVA, other veterans group, taking some issue with uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. He's running for president. Uh, recently uh, met with veterans in Nevada, but uh, from what I understand you are saying, uh, hasn't really shown the same willingness to sit down with veterans right here in New York.
2: Exactly. And, you know, what we always push for is for all local uh, leaders, uh, especially those who, you know claim, as most do, to support our veterans, to support our military, uh, you know, put some action behind those words. And if you uh, are in that position to be an elected leader uh, within your community, then you really do need to be meeting with veterans to understand what uh, our issues are, where we need additional support, and where we can work together. And, um, you know, we haven't seen that uh, from the mayor as much as we would. And so now that he's running for president, it seems like there's a greater emphasis on uh, meeting with veterans uh, and this isn't surprising. We find too often that uh folks that are running for office are more than happy to use veterans as an applause line, uh, as a means to show how devoted that they are to the country. Uh, but we want to make sure that they're putting their actions uh behind their words uh and not uh you know making proposals that would reduce the benefits uh going to uh the veteran community. Um, but actually stepping forward, meeting with veterans, understanding their needs, uh, and working to ensure that the local government is providing everything that they need uh, to survive and thrive
0: and does does that response, or maybe lack of response uh, surprise you from the Mayor, given that, uh, for example, his father and his wife's father both served uh, in the Army. Uh, they do have a military uh, you know military history, if not themselves, but in their past. Would you expect something different from him?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we really expected from all elected officials uh, to be leading. Uh, in the area of providing veteran services and uh, outreach to the veteran community. Uh, But it's especially surprising, uh, given that New York City has such a large and storied history uh, connection to the military. Uh, And that extends to those who who have personal connections to the military. And frankly, that's a a diminishing segment of our society. More and more we find that, uh, you know, the average citizen does not have a direct connection to the veteran community. And so it is helpful uh, when an elected leader does have that direct connection, you know, we really do expect even more uh, from him or her. And so uh, we definitely would like to see a greater emphasis, a greater outreach uh, to the veterans community, especially when we have such an active veterans community within New York City. New York City Veterans Alliance is an incredible organization that we work with uh, regularly. Uh, they really led the way in raising this issue um, about the mayor uh, meeting with um, Veterans uh, outside of New York City, but not providing the same emphasis uh, on those within the city. And so uh, we applaud them and want to work uh, tirelessly with them to ensure that. Uh not only the mayor, but the mayor's entire administration is really putting the focus uh, on veterans and providing uh, them with everything that we need uh, to survive and survive in the city. Because, frankly, that's a way of attracting additional great talent to the city to show uh, the country, especially uh, during this week of Fleet Week, uh, that not only do we support the Navy and the Marine Corps, but we support the entire uh, military and veteran community.
0: And uh, before we let you go, I just want to switch gears for one second and ask you about uh, something that I've been interested in uh, personally. Um, IAVA has a program now to advance recognition of the service of women in the military with a campaign called She Who Born the Battle. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. So that's another, I spoke of uh, two of our uh, big six priority areas uh, combating Uh, suicide amongst uh, service members and and veterans. The other was the burn pits that we talked about. And another one of the big six is recognizing and improving services uh, for women veterans. Women veterans are the fastest-growing demographic within our uh, military and veteran community. Uh, They make up about 20% of our military today, and that's a number that's only going to continue to rise uh, now that we've opened uh, nearly every um, basically military job to women. Uh, So but what we need to see is a corresponding then um, effort to ensure that women veterans are uh, not only seen as being equal to their male counterparts, but also that then uh, the government and the military is taking care of uh, those female veterans when they return uh, from service and are uh, going to their VAs uh, to get the care that they have earned and deserved. Uh, They're not. Uh, when they walk in, you know, ask if they're there for their husband or their or their father, but they're recognized as being veterans in their own rights. And part of this extends to the very motto of the VA, uh, which is for he who has, shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan. We would like to see that motto change to something uh, that is more inclusive of all veterans, uh, because frankly we feel that that motto sets the stage uh, for the entire uh, style of care that the VA provides. And I think if you talk to uh, many Uh, Women veterans, they find that when they go to the VA, they may uh, enjoy the care that they receive there and find that the care is superior to that which they get on the civilian world, but they often find uh, that they face harassment, discrimination, uh, catcalling. Uh, these types of things when they walk in uh, to a VA, and that's unacceptable. And we want to make sure that changes. We feel that that begins with the motto uh, and then works its way throughout the entire system to ensure uh, that not only the employees at the VA but the senior administration are fighting uh, to make sure that women uh, have accessibility to all types of care that they need when they return uh, from, from overseas.
0: And, Jeremy, where can people learn more about IAVA and your programs and your work?
2: Yeah, please go to IAVA.org, very simple, Iraq and Afghanistan, Veterans of America, IAVA.org. Uh, you can look up our entire policy agenda, a uh, large document detailing everything uh, that we are focused on. You can see our big six, which are our top priorities for the year. Uh, you can connect. You can uh, sign up to receive um, information about everything that we're doing. You can join and become a member of IAVA. IAVA is open to all uh, personnel. Be you currently active, uh, be you a veteran, uh, be you simply a, a civilian supporter uh, who wants to make sure that our country is taking care of our veterans and our military. So please go to IAVA.org uh, and join uh, and become a member, uh, and also go uh, on the social media and uh, use the hashtag GoSilent to make sure that we are uh, tracking and, and remembering the true meaning of Memorial Day.
0: Jeremy Butler is the CEO of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Jeremy, thank you for joining us today on WBAI.
2: Thank you, Celeste. I appreciate you having us on.
0: You're listening to Waking Up here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz here with you until 8 o'clock for a special Memorial Day edition of the program. It's going to be uh, getting up to about 77 degrees today in the metro area if you are planning to get out for the holiday. Uh, Just a reminder that uh, because it is Memorial Day, government offices, including the DMV and the courts, are closed. Public schools are also closed and alternate side parking rules are suspended. Some mass transit services are running on holiday or Sunday schedules. So check nyc.gov and mta.info for more information on that. So if you're enjoying today's uh, program, uh, special programs like this, and all the programming that we have uh, throughout the week, day and night, around the clock, and we hope you are, uh, we'd ask you to please consider, uh, consider showing your support for WBAI by making a donation to our More Than Mike's campaign uh, so that we can build a new studio and bring you even better sound, take more of your calls, so that you can tell us what's going on in your mind, please give us a call 516 516- or you can just go to WBAI to donate. You can also even just text WBAI to 41444 on your smartphone. And we're really close to reaching our goal for the spring fundraising drive. Please help us cross that finish line. Show your support for independent, commercial-free radio. The number again, 516-620-3602, 516 Six two zero three six zero two. Or you can go to WBAI. You can choose a gift as our thanks for your generous support uh, for all the news, cultural, musical programs that you love and that we've been proud to bring you here at BAI for 60 years. Uh, We have a a number of special treats for you. Uh, You know, the tote bags, T-shirts, caps, uh, everything with the BAI logo so you can actually wear your support. Show people that you stand for non-corporate, non-commercial, independent community programming. 516-6222. 620-3602 620 is the number to call 516-620-3602 or just go to wbai.org. Please make your pledge right now. Any amount helps and we will be very, very grateful uh, for your support. Uh, if you want to stay tuned for just a moment, we will be right back with another special guest. Welcome back to Waking Up here on WBAI New York. I'm Celeste Katz, and I'm glad to be joined now by Jason Maris and Danielle Bernstein. They're the creators of Homemade. It's an upcoming documentary about the real struggles veterans can face when they return from war. Danielle and Jason, thanks for being with us here today on WBAI.
3: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, very interested in your guys' story. It's a, it's sort of an unusual tale. You're partners in work, but also partners in your life. So, maybe tell us a little bit about how this project got started. What gave you the idea to, uh, uh, to uh, dive into this?
4: Um, well, I met Jason on the set of another film. Um, that's a good mutual friend. And we stayed friends for... Quite a long time before we became partners in life, (laughs) and in that time, uh, he was interested in developing a documentary. In my background, is in documentary, Um, and so we started to talk about the concept of homemade. Um, And originally, it was um, looking at an improvised explosive device and how it affects people from the person who is closest to the blast on out into their community. Um, And I'll let Jason talk a little bit about his background with the military. But, I mean, it just started really as a development project. We did interviews here and there, um, and then one thing led to another, and I moved to Atlanta. And so our, like, personal life started at that point. Um, But that was just kind of an organic
3: evolution. um, The reason why I'm interested in the the subject to begin with is uh, my background is commercial photography. Uh, and commercial film. And one of my biggest clients uh, was the United States Marine Corps uh, that I was, uh, through the advertising agency JWT, uh, I was uh, have over 20 years worked uh, uh, on recruiting material uh, for the United States Marine Corps. So if you walk into a recruiting station, a lot of the imagery you see is imagery that I took, posters, billboards. And for over 20 years, my work has been in circulation and used by recruiters. Uh, uh, so I feel a heavy responsibility to all Marines because of that. And after 9-11 happened, started volunteering my time with nonprofits and uh, decided that I wanted to approach something that was more independent and look at it uh, through an independent lens. And that's kind of how this film started. I think the unique aspect of this film that's different than a lot of films is that, you know, Adam, when we were first doing the initial uh, research interviews, was one of diff- three different people, and he was the success story at the, at the time. And then it wasn't until, you know, later years into the film that we uh, got a phone call his master sergeant said hey can you go visit him I don't think he's doing so well and that's kind of uh, how this film evolved
0: and uh, one of the things I was thinking about um, as I was looking through sort of reading the story of of. Uh, how you explain how I think you, the way you phrase it is that uh, an IED can go off twice once at the at, at the moment of impact in, in combat but then once again sort of in people's lives when they get back home and um, I was just thinking that uh, maybe for a long time too long probably for a lot of people things like PTSD and addiction um, that are faced by returning soldiers weren't really talked about and I'm wondering. Uh, as you as you were making the film, as you were researching this story, did you find that this was because there was sort of a, a stigma associated with with talking about these things, or because people weren't really sure where to go for help? There wasn't enough help or, or what was uh, what was going on there?
1: Uh, I'll, stigma
3: is definitely a part of it. I think it's all changing and evolving constantly. It's a pretty dynamic. Uh, topic uh, just because there's so many different things at play and you know at, as far as now you know, we've been at war for so long uh, and there's so many people that have been affected uh, that you know it's a it's it's becoming more acceptable to, uh, to talk about um,
4: yeah for instance we were just at the recon challenge um, and Adam and his team uh, carried Jonathan Blank, the individual who lost his legs in the IED blast through a 30 mile race, which was amazing to witness and so inspiring. But at the end, they actually mentioned that Adam was raising awareness nationally about post-traumatic stress. And um, at the last year recon challenge, there was leadership that was happy that we were doing the film. And so, the Marine Corps themselves has seen the film and i um, very supportive of putting a face and a you know, a more intimate look at these problems because it's such a hard, um, it's such a hard topic to really nail down because it's in, you know, it's to the individual what's actually going on, but being able to create a dialogue about these harder topics, people are way more willing to engage in it. Um, and that is a huge, I think that that's a huge change. Um, And very important in just creating that intimate conversation and knowing that you're not alone when you're going through the struggles. The ability to seek care is a totally different, very complex and changing landscape. Mm -hmm. Because although there's a lot of really wonderful things going on um, with people looking at more integrated care programs and military leadership, encouraging people to reach out for help, there's, you know a push for more holistic approaches. It's still happening. A lot of those things are still happening in silos. Um, And often, which is a historical problem, people reach out for help and they actually don't get the help that they need in the timeline that they might need it Mm -hmm. or they get prescribed. Like when Adam reached out for help, what makes also his story really um, interesting and also a great call to action, is that Adam was not in denial that he needed help, and he reached out several times, um, and it kind of led him down this road to being overprescribed, and so he, by the time, you know, like a couple years into being in his more civilian role as a student, um, he was on over 20 medications.
0: You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live at WBAI.org. And we're talking to Danielle Bernstein and Jason Maris. They are the creators of Homemade, which is an uh, upcoming documentary about the struggles that veterans can face, including PTSD and addiction, uh, when they return home from duty. And uh, they... The effects that can have on uh, their families and the people around them. So, um, I wanted to ask you guys about something that you said on the website for uh, for homemade, which, by the way, if you're listening and you want to check it out, it's uh, homemadethefilm dot com. Uh, you make a reference here that I found interesting to quote the empathy gap between civilian and military communities. When you use that term empathy gap, what what do you mean?
3: Uh, Typically, there's a big divide between the civilian population and the military population. Uh, Just so it it becomes, oh, you went to war and then it's such a unique experience and the training that they go through is such a unique experience. Uh, And because of the culture that we live in and where uh, we all kind of. Just noses to the grindstone and 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 move along and consume and you know live our lives and, and there's you know there's a lot of people that don't know people in the military or uh, so I guess that empathy gap in, in is ultimately is drawing parallels between the lives and I think in this situation Adam you see Adam Adam's in a unique situation here because he's still in the military because he's in a Uh, Officer, he went through officer candidacy school after serving uh, as an enlisted Marine, and just decided to become an officer. So, after he went through officer candidacy school, he went to college and just kind of plopped down into society uh, and had all of the same. uh, How you know, start to look at like transitioning into that role and the intimacy of the film is you're seeing behind the domestic curtain. So you're seeing all the things that we all deal with on a daily basis, you know, how, uh, you know, having to get in his instance, having to get good grades, having to make the bed, having to do the dishes, having to clean the house, you know, and then all the relationship struggles that come up, you know, that I think a lot of people can identify with, uh, is, is different aspects of the film. So it, it's the military, Side of it is uh, one small portion of the film, and really, what you see is how the family is affected and you know, behind a closed door.
0: And you guys have been working on this project for quite a long time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think maybe it was first first started working on this around 2012. Is that is that? Yeah. A, that's a, a, correct. Okay. So uh, I'm just curious. You know, now that you've seen this over quite a span of time and you've been watching it, uh, develop. Do you think, what do you think has changed and what do you think has not changed in the way that we treat the people that we send to war, uh, in the United States is, is, has anything gotten better or have things gotten worse?
5: Uh,
3: I'll turn this over to Danielle too, but I I think, it's gotten better and it's got it's stayed the same and it's gotten worse. I think it's a uh, it's a complicated issue uh, that's trying to be you know, there's all these different processes and uh, that that we're it's just a it's a complicated issue everybody like if you look at the, if you look at our the care side of things. Uh, there's a lot of really great things happening, and, and but they're happening in these silos, and you know the amount of investigating, the amount of things that you have to do to find these things. There's a lot of really amazing things happening in the neuroscience, you know, uh, area where you know, traumatic brain injury is a really relevant topic to all of this because uh, the, the co- comorbidity between uh, trauma and brain injury. It's hard to define what's what, and you know, there's they're learning more and more about uh, the brain and how the brain works and how uh, concussive blasts affect, you know, concussions from a concussive blast affect mm. an individual versus an impact uh, um, concussion, and the differences there. There's a lot of nuance to it, uh, but things are still happening in silos, and what is available to the individual through whether what they can afford or whether they have the motivation to, like, actually explore different avenues. And they kind of just get uh, ramrodded through a homogenized process. And, and you know, that doesn't work for everybody. And, and you know, so. um,
4: I think uh, since we started,
1: mm-hmm.
4: I've said this a little bit before, but the, the biggest thing that I've seen change positively is military leadership coming forward and encouraging people to get care and also to talk about what's going on. Um, However, on the other side of that, we do hear stories like recently um, we're told about somebody who reached out for care in a moment of crisis and found out that, you know, if you don't have an substance abuse problem, their insurance actually wouldn't uh, cover residential care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of a catch-22 when you do have a crisis situation, um, you know, where the where the actual system is and being able to treat the people who are reaching out. Um, so I, I think that we still have a long way to go to to really be able to embrace what's going on with those people who've gone to war and also consider that it's not just war. Um, that's one thing that's really come up for all the men and women that we've talked to is that it's also a loss of identity and purpose when you transition out of the military. Um, or if you're in, you know, like Adam was in, but he was going through a program that was very isolating, um, from his recon community, that it's also um, considering something that, kind of going back to the empathy question too, that we all want, which is connection and purpose. I mean, so when you're actively serving, often you do have the brotherhood um, aspect to your life, and you're doing something that's very meaningful. And when you get out, I mean, culturally. It's very isolating because you're not working as a team anymore and you're not really working on anything. So I think as a culture, uh, we could do a lot more to just like put down our phones and go do things with people and be connected in that sense. Um, I think that would be meaningful to the people who've served.
0: Uh, so uh, Danielle Bernstein and Jason Maris, uh, the makers of Homemade, a documentary about the struggles uh, that people face when they return from war, uh, when can we actually see your film, and where can we see it, and uh, where should we find out more about it?
4: Um, you can go to homemadethefilm.com. dot com. Our handle on Instagram is also at homemade the film, and it will be coming out this fall. We're very excited about some potential partnerships with um, the Marine Corps. We hope that that pans out, um, and we look forward to sharing with the world. But we also have a YouTube page that you can look up. It's homemade, <laughs> um, so we're we're out there. But homemadethefilm.com has all the information. Um, and and just like slightly in closing, I want to remember that there's a whole family and spouse aspect to this, and we're very grateful for. Um, Adam's family and his former wife, Victoria, for sharing their side of the story as well. So on Veterans and Memorial Day, we definitely think about um, the families that are also going through this.
0: I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to seeing the film, and uh, maybe you can uh, come and join us again when it's, uh, when it's out and uh, let us know how, uh, how it's being received.
3: Thank you. We would
0: love that. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks so much, Jason Maris and Danielle Bernstein. The film is called Homemade. Uh, Take a look for it uh, online at uh, homemadethefilm.com. And you are listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM. We're streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, and this is a special two-hour edition of Waking Up. Uh, We really appreciate uh, all your support uh, this morning and every morning. Uh, If you want to show your support with a pledge, uh, we would really appreciate it so that we can keep bringing you uh, this kind of uh, public affairs programming, uh, so we can keep bringing you cultural programming, music programming, programming about news and about your communities and about uh, stuff that you don't get, basically, on other radio stations or on television. This is something very, very unique. And uh, the best way to keep us going, help us uh, stay on the air and bring you more of this programming, give us a call, 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602 or you can go to wbai.org check out our More Than Mics campaign that's our uh, that's our big plan to rejuvenate our studio space Uh, you can also make a recurring monthly donation we have something called the WBAI Buddies Program where you can just set it up it uh, automatically uh, gets deducted every month as big or small an amount uh, as you would like but uh, every little bit helps we really really would appreciate it Uh, please give us a call 516-620-3602 make your pledge right now 516-620-3602 or go to wbai.org and stand up for independent commercial free radio today we are going to take a quick break here uh, then we'll be back with uh, one more guest to round out this hour I'm looking forward very much you're listening to WBAI New York
5: Swallowtail coats Tablecloths And, table and patent leather shoes and Bathing suits And bowling balls and clarinets and rings All This radio really needs Rifle boats boots for rocks. Oh, and this one is for bravery. When this one is for me, and everything's a dollar in this box. Jackknife is rusted
0: Welcome back to Waking Up here on WBAI New York. Uh, I'm Celeste Katz, and uh, you are listening to a two-hour special edition of Waking Up today. Uh, We're focusing on Memorial Day and uh, what it means, what it should mean, how people are observing it, and uh, to help us out with that right now, we are lucky to be joined by Kristen Rouse. She is the President and Founding Director of the New York City Veterans Alliance. Uh, Kristen has served as a non Commissioned and commissioned officer in the U.S. Navy, Army, including the U.S. Army, Army Reserve, and Army National Guard, for more than 23 years, and has spent a total of 31 months in Afghanistan over three tours of duty. In civilian life, she's worked with the New York City Office of Emergency Management and as a professor of writing and literature. So, Kristen, really glad to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us.
6: Thank you so much, Celeste. Thanks for having me on
0: uh so before we get into some political news about uh, our mayor which i uh, which i know that uh, uh, i'd be interested to ask you about uh maybe you could just uh, start us out by telling us a little bit about the alliance and uh what you do and how you're marking this memorial day
6: sure uh, the new york city veterans alliance is a is a young member driven grassroots policy advocacy, and community building organization. We focus on policy advocacy here locally uh, in New York City, and we get our membership who are primarily veterans and their spouses, their family members. We get them active in doing that advocacy uh, in meetings with council members and uh, state lawmakers and increasingly we're working with our congressional delegation uh, to to advance policies that will improve the lives of veterans and families here in New York City.
0: And uh, we uh, spoke a little bit with, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Butler of IAVA. I'm sure, uh, obviously you know him and, uh, uh, you all yes, w- well. work together. And actually he mentioned, uh, uh gave sort of a, a shout out, uh, to, uh, to your group, uh, in regards to this, uh, this situation that has arisen recently, uh, with, uh, Mayor de Blasio meeting with, uh, some veterans on the presidential campaign trail in Nevada, uh, and some concerns, I guess, here at home that hasn't really, uh, Perhaps shown the same level of attention to uh, veterans right here in New York. Uh, is that is is am I characterizing that correctly in, in your opinion? Yes,
6: yes. <laughs> that, that it was it was really interesting to see his his interest in um, in meeting with veterans uh, in in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I wish that he had the same interest in meeting with veterans here in New York City. Um, it's it's always a good thing to listen to veterans um but uh but right now his executive budget is proposing uh is proposing to cut veteran uh, services for veterans and families uh by $118,000 and this is you know he's been touting uh his his uh his creating uh by signing a law that he was against for a long time but uh but he he he's been touting the New York City Department of Veteran Services which indeed has been is so important uh here in New York City and and nationally uh it's it's the first um big city uh independent agency serving veterans and families at the local level. And so in that way New York has been a leader. Um and he did indeed sign that into law, but it that also came after many months of resistance uh to creating that agency. He um we know for a fact in the advocacy community that he did not believe it was it was a, a worthy cause and he also has uh, has has tried to cut that budget before, and it is always the advocates uh, who push back on it.
0: Well, it's interesting because, uh, and look, I know it's it's campaign season, but I think in one of the responses to uh, the concern about uh, Nevada versus New York in terms of attention to veterans, uh, one of the remarks that his, his administration made was that it has made a quote unprecedented commitment to veterans. Wondering what you think of that characterization.
6: He has lagged behind, but he has done the right thing when we have pointed that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he has not met with advocates in person, um, but he has responded and done the right thing when we have pressured him publicly. Uh, and so he, he's, his, the administration isn't wrong in saying that the work uh, for veterans in recent years has, has, has been unprecedented. But it has come with the pressure of the advocacy community and and our allies in the city council.
0: And how does this situation? I mean, this is obviously just one example, and and interactions between government and veterans are are much more complex. Um, you know, how does this sort of thing? compare to how uh, veterans and their families are treated by uh, officials here in the city or uh, maybe even in New York state. I know you work with a a wide array of people. Um, You know, how does this sort of measure up to what veterans usually have to deal with as well as um, there's the spouses, parents and children of service members who did not come home?
6: Well, I mean I've I've had to explain just even to our own membership that you know who, f- folks who feel frustrated you know why why do we have to come home from serving our country why do we have to um, you know rise above the sacrifices that have that have been made uh, over the generations to to advocate for basic recognition or basic services or accessing the services we've been promised or once a law is passed why do we have to fight to make sure it's implemented uh, why do we have to make sure it's funded. And and what I say is is that veteran advocacy is is as old as our country, and uh, you know, and those who work in the social justice space and all the you know, America is constantly a, a work in progress, and uh, and so veterans have had to fight for fight for pay, for recognition, for health care. Going back to the American Revolution, uh, it, it has always come with petitioning a, a government to say. Here's what's wrong, and here's how you can make it right. Uh, and and so the, this is this is a, a long a long tradition and an unfortunate one. Um, but you know we we stand on the shoulders of uh, of all of the veterans who have fought for for recognition and benefits before us. Uh, but we still have such a long way to go.
0: And if you're just joining us, this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and we're streaming live at WBAI.org. We're speaking to Kristen Rouse of the New York City Veterans Alliance. And um, Kristen, I did want to ask you sort of a relatedly, um, you know, for a lot of people, Memorial Day is, a, you know, chance to maybe go to the beach or, you know, have a picnic, have a cookout, take a day off from work. And for other people, it can be a really painful experience, um, particularly for some people who may be experiencing uh, what is uh, known as survivor guilt. Um, can you talk a little bit about what groups like yours, what veterans groups can do to help people uh, if they're coping with, with that kind of trauma, with those kinds of feelings on a day like today?
6: Well, the, you know, the, the, the first thing is is creating a sense of community. Um, and and just having this be part of the conversation. And thank you for, for, for taking this up today on Memorial Day. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more cheerful things to be talking about. Um, but, you know, this is America's day to remember those who have sacrificed everything in our nation's wars, and many of us who have been, you know, personally impacted by, um, you know, by... Uh, comrades and loved ones who, uh, who have come home, but yet been lost to suicide or overdose or other, other tragedies. Um, you know, we're, we're remembering all of, all of these folks by name. Uh, we're remembering the stories. We're taking time to, to think about that. Um, that doesn't mean that, that, we don't want to be at the beach or that we, you know, don't want to have that picnic or out outing or um, being part of, you know, the many historic parades that are happening around the city uh, or other places, how everybody chooses to, to spend their Memorial day is, is, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing to, to relax and to do uh, what feels meaningful to you. Um, and we're, it's, to, just to recognize and to be sensitive to uh, those who are remembering people by name, remembering the stories, by giving an opening and a, and a conversation to say, you know, is there anybody that you're thinking about today? Um, you know, can can you tell me, you know, that person's name? Can you tell me what that story was, who, they, who that person was in life, um, not just what happened overseas or what happened at the end? but who was who that person in life, and speaking the names and, and telling the stories of, of, of who they meant to their loved ones is really, like, today's that day. Today's the day to do that. Um, and, and just having that sensitivity and also realizing that there's, um, you know, there are national organizations and local organizations uh, to reach out to. Um, you know, for those who have been, you know, personally affected by, you know, family members, uh, you know, close partners, loved ones. Uh, tragedy assistance program for survivors, uh, TAPS, TAPS.org, uh, is a wonderful organization that has been supporting, uh, Gold Star families and, uh, and, and folks in that immediate social network. Uh, and, and they have a, a, a ton of resources available. Um, also if, if it's a, you know, uh, if, if you're, if you're feeling an intensive sense of crisis about this, the veteran crisis line, um, is also an important, important resource, um, to, to let folks know that it's out there. Uh, or if you're concerned about somebody who's a veteran, uh, and, and think that, that somebody might be harming themselves, uh, the Veteran Crisis Line, which is 1-800-273-8255, that's a resource that's available to you 24-7 because we certainly don't want to lose anybody else.
0: And, Kristen, how can people find out more about uh, the New York City Veterans Alliance if they want to join, if they want to find out more about your programs and the work that you do? Where should they go?
6: Yeah, so our website is nycveteransalliance.org, and you can also follow us on Twitter at NYC Vets Alliance. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, uh, New York City Veterans Alliance. Um, We welcome new members, uh, anybody who is a veteran, is related to a veteran, or cares about veterans, is welcome to join us. We're a community organization, and, and everybody has a place with us. Uh, we're nonpartisan, and, but we, we make things happen for veterans and families here in New York City. As I mentioned, we have a lot of work to do, and uh, there's a lot that can be done at the local level to improve lives, and to and to create that community that we all need.
0: Kristen Rouse of the New York City Veterans Alliance, thank you so much for being with us here at WBAI on this Memorial Day. We really do appreciate it.
6: Thank you Suaz.
0: So You're listening to WBAI's Waking Up. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with more programming. Don't go away.